if everyone's looking at each other like they've got a virus, isn't this going to take public transit in the opposite direction? Yeah, Where people are going to want to be either at home or in their own cars? Hi, you're listening to Good Is In The Details. I'm your host, Gwendolyn Dalski, and joining me once again, Constantine Hatcher. Hello. <laughs> so, we're going to talk more about that quarantine life. Quarantine life. Okay. I mean, technically, we're not quarantined. We're housed at home. We're abiding by yes, the governor's, governor's directive. Keep you, your ass inside. Do you think it'll step up to another level? Yeah, it's for sure. I mean, it's, all the signs are saying that. We don't know how many people are infected right now. It's going to be a lot more. There's going to be potential. I mean, our health systems are going to get overwhelmed. The question, that's not like in question. The question is how much so, how quickly can the government, you know, now that FEMA's on board and they're allegedly shipping some supplies out, how quickly those supplies can be made, how quickly these repurposed factories start, you know, turning out additional respirator machines. Yeah. Um, the, the masks and the gloves for healthcare workers so we can protect them, those that are on the front line of this thing, so they don't, they're not putting themselves in any more danger than they need to be. Right, so, right. You know, that's what's going to really measure how bad it gets. I mean, it's going to get worse because more people have it than what we know right now. That's for sure. And the way we know that more and more numbers are increasing are the places where they're just doing more testing. So it's not really a matter of they're catching all the cases. It's more a matter of they're not even enough tests to catch all the cases. Yeah. We're so, at the point at which we just need to know we need what to we're know. dealing with. We don't even know. We don't know yet. But I think what mitigates that is more and more people staying inside and people aren't being ridiculous or irresponsible. And Unless trying. you're a spring breaker in Florida. Yeah, and they are all idiots. They're literally <laughs> carrying death back to their loved ones. They're right all now. idiots. Okay. I mean, well, I'm not mad at them, right? Young people are always, you know, that feeling of invincibility. Well, it was also a messaging issue because their understanding was it's only negatively impacting seniors. Right. So their idea was it wasn't going to harm them or maybe it would just be a little bit like being sick. Right. Okay, um, we are going to be talking about public transit. Oh, yeah. So, of course, we have to call the transit whisperer. The transit whisperer. Rudy Sallow. All right, here we go. Let's see what his whisperer. thoughts are. Bring on the transit sage. Rudy. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> Rudy. Hey, okay. Hey, yeah. Constantine. There we go. All right. So, Rudy, what is... Okay, first of all, our last recording was on March 4th, and you had made the comment, we have it in the last podcast with Brendan Small, that you had not been taking public transit for three weeks. So, how did you know that this was going to be... At that time, it wasn't nearly the thing that it is now. Very simple answer. Do you recall during our virus podcast with Adalia... Uh, and we discussed the fact uh, that there had recently been an earthquake and my wife, as a result, started to prepare our house with a lot of disaster goods. That's right. You have a lot of peanut butter. With a lot of peanut butter. Right. That's very important, which is I'm so happy about peanut butter, fire blankets and fire extinguishers. Priorities. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, man's got to eat uh, and so does Clearly. the family. Um, and peanut butter is a good source of protein. Boom. So. <laughs> My wife, the surgeon, uh, the, I, I think, you know, amateur doomsday prepper started to really get scared about the coronavirus in the middle of February. And 
you know, it's because she's a medical doctor. It's because she's aware of, of you know, impending doom. It's just the part of who she is. And she started to prepare for it. She went to Costco. She prepared very, very well. So we're, we're in... We're in, we're in good shape. We, we're not hoarders in any way, shape, or form. We bought slowly over time. And it was at that time where she basically instilled in me that, hey, you, you got to do get. She just, it's so funny. She just walked over to me and said, um, I've been preparing since January. Okay, that's fine. So in any event, um, she told me in the middle of February, you need to stop using public transportation. And, and I listened. And I haven't really been using public transportation since the middle of February. That's what it dawned on me that since she's a surgeon that I thought, okay, she had an understanding of what was going on before we did. Yeah, she did. I mean, and that was just, you know, she's, she's very interested in, in medical things. She's very interested in, uh, you know, viruses. She's, you know, she's, she's a well-prepared person and, uh, she prepared us and she basically said no more public transportation. So I, I heeded her call, you know, it, it was kind of interesting was I was, unfortunately I was forced to travel via air flights in February and, and less than two weeks ago, I was forced to uh, take a couple of flights um, up north to speak at, of all things, a what's the future of transportation summit. It's called the, it was the Redefining Mobility Summit held up in Contra Costa County, where we discussed, you know, the future of public transportation. And I was the keynote speaker. It was my very first keynote. Very proud moment. But I got to be honest with you, I didn't want to do it. And I even told them like, hey, like, I really hope we postpone this. All of my flights have been canceled. All of my other conferences have been canceled. Are you sure you're going to go through with this? They went through it, and I said, all right, I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about the future of public transportation, and I'm going to talk about the coronavirus. So I had an entire slide just on that. And so, you know, you reaching out and saying, hey, do you want to have a discussion about the future of public transit? Um, I, I'm, I'm prepared to tell you I can talk about it, but Lord only knows how the whole thing's going to shake out. So... One of the things that was making me think about reaching out to you for this was listening to an episode that Freakonomics just did, saying that one of the changes that might happen is that since people now can work from home, that once this is over, they might want to keep working from home because they no longer have to deal with a commute. So what do you think is going to be, how is this throwing a wrench into the idea of public transit? Well, I mean, there's so many different factors. I mean, the work from home movement was um, already starting. You know, there are, there are a lot of jobs where people are working from home. We, we have attorneys um, at my law firm, Nixon Peabody, that work in states where we don't have offices. They literally just work from home. So there are a lot of jobs out there that are already set up to work from home. Now, now that these other industries that had never even flirted with working from home, like teaching, like, you know, even even my wife's doing some telemedicine, like there's a lot of different industries now that we're going to be the dinosaurs to ever move on to the, um, the work from home movement. This is forcing us to redo our work. This is going to change a lot of things and that, you know, a lot of companies are going to be looking at their real estate costs. Like, why are we, wait a minute, if we can do almost as good of a job with everybody working from home, why are we, why are we paying for these very expensive leases? I mean, I can tell you, you know, this isn't a secret. This is a, 
all law firms in the country, one of their biggest expenses is there is there are there are there big um, leases that they have in, in these big downtown areas, and is this going to make law firms rethink having those offices? Probably. You know, there are already a whole bunch of virtual law firms. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Commute times uh, have been getting incrementally worse over the past decade, which obviously had an influence upon me, you know, switching to, you know, public transportation all the time. Maybe, you know, with a lot of more people working from home, commute times won't be as bad and people will start to use, if they have a car, maybe they'll start to use their cars more. And that will also have a negative impact on public transportation. Public transport, I wrote in a couple of my Forbes.com articles that the trend in public transportation was that the numbers had been moving down. And, and there's a lot of different factors for that. Uber and Lyft was a factor for that. People working from home was a factor. Cheap gas has always been a factor. And now that we have this movement towards working from home and I and people not being scared to ride public transportation, I think that's going to affect transit numbers as well. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could see how, you know, always one of the biggest items on that on the ledger for many businesses is the brick and mortar. And so more and more you just have been seeing more more industries and more businesses try to alleviate some of that brick and mortar cost i mean you already see it in retail where you know a lot of retail shops were going under before this i can only imagine how that trend is going to uh kind of continue to explode i agree 100 and i also just wanted to back up i think you hit on a very important point which is the secret to a great marriage is always listen to your wife <laughs> Amen, man. Amen. You, from you, you, no truer words have ever been spoken. So, also, I should ask, since you like zombie flicks, have you ever seen one where they're raiding for toilet paper, or is this was this a surprise to you? Um, you know, I saw something that uh, I saw a quote, and I don't know if it's necessarily attributed to him. And um, it, it was kind of, I don't know how to react to it. And maybe it was because he has, wasn't yet taking this epidemic seriously enough. So I'd love to hear, have him do a retake. But I thought I saw a quote from Warren Buffett this week that said, you know, poor people are out there buying toilet paper and rich people are out there buying stocks. And I, it was kind of like a, it was like a weird, it was a weird statement. I'm not saying that it was necessarily attributed to him, but I saw like a flash across something. So maybe he had said that. And it, and it was just kind of like, well, yeah, man. I mean, people people need toilet paper. But here's the thing. This is not a joke. Um, what I've seen an explosion of, because I went on to Groupon to find one myself, um, is ordering of bidets. There's a lot of people that have or that are ordering bidets. So not only our work life's going to change, our commuting life's going to change, but I think in the American home where the bidet is not particularly popular as it is in Eastern culture, you're going to see an explosion of those as well. So that is a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> I mean, you know, who needs all that toilet paper? You just get a little shit. <laughs> That is when I tell you this thing is going to change everything, like literally everything. Well, okay, this is something that I was thinking with transit is that it seemed that we were getting closer to more public transit or people being together, maybe this push to get out of the car. But now, if everyone's looking at each other like they've got a virus, isn't this going to take public transit in the opposite direction? Yeah, Where people are going to want to be either at home or in their own cars? 
No, I, I agree with you. And what I noted at the Redefining Mobility Summit was that transit ridership was already trending down. Like, like I said, in a couple of Forbes.com articles that I wrote, I, I'm kind of hyper-focused on that. And so what I said at the conference was, will this be the nuclear bomb that explodes public transportation? Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Once we, you know, God willing, all go back to normal and go back to our lives, you know, not everyone's going to be able to afford a car or even have a garage to park their car. I mean, there's still going to be a use for public transit. But what I've been thinking about over the past couple of weeks, and I haven't conducted the research yet, Gwen, but I'm hoping that these discussions that we're having can be an ongoing going little series. In 1918, that's when the flu pandemic was, right? And in 1918, there, there were a lot of public transit systems. I mean, New York had one, LA had one. There were a lot of them. But shortly after the 1918 flu pandemic, what happened in the 1920s and the late 19-teens? The explosion of the automobile. Now, in my history of transportation and studying of the automobile, the expansion of it, did I ever see anything that said, oh, and the 1918 flu pandemic um, uh, changed a lot of attitudes towards public transportation? No, I haven't seen that. But maybe if I do a little research, I might find that. Because I'll tell you right now, at the Redefining Mobility Summit that I was at two weeks ago, it's very focused on the future of transportation. It's very focused on driverless cars because the Contra Costa County Transportation Authority, which was the host of the summit, has two of like the three licenses in the state of California to test driverless cars. I said at the summit, I said, I think this may be really good for driverless cars. Um, yeah, you know, whether that be like, you know, driverless shuttles, whether that be driverless personal vehicles. I think this may be the kick in the butt that driverless cars needed. Because if you, if about four or five years ago, everybody thought driverless cars were going to be out on the roads like overnight. And I, I was the first person kind of ringing the bell going, no, 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 no. We need to redo our infrastructure. We need to redo our laws. We need to have uniform laws. We need to do X, Y, and Z. Right. I think it's quite possible that this entire epidemic and everything that's going around may usher in the driverless cars uh, to be here uh, and be a part of our normal lives a lot quicker than was earlier possible. Now, one thing I, I wonder, I'd love to get your take on this, Rudy. You know, as we, you know, we're, we're also like, especially here in California, especially in the cities, we have this housing crisis, right? And, and you know, there's a lot of political context around that's making it difficult to pass laws, but they are coming, and we know that density is coming. There's no way around it. We have like a $3.5 million housing uh, shortfall now. Granted, after this coronavirus, it might be a little less. Um, <laughs> sorry, morbid, morbid thoughts. But the only way to build that density is going to, have, is going to be able to ease parking restrictions, you know, parking uh, regulations around the density. And so, like, there will be more homes than there will be parking spaces. Do you think, you know, once it cools off, once the thing kind of gets, you know, kind of like Ebola, like it was like a big deal for a second then. I mean, obviously this is, hits closer to home. It's was so mismanaged so poorly that now it's this huge pandemic, much worse than it probably could have been if we had just prepared a little better in the, at the outset. But at some point we'll catch up. It'll blow over, you know, a year from now, the news cycle will switch and it will be inauguration, hopefully of a new president. Uh, again, <laughs> nice to sneak that in. Uh, well, I am unapologetically biased. Um, but 
Do you think that that need for more urban density could still make the idea and, and once the you know the, the scare and the fear kind of dies down, do you think that there's still be an opportunity for increased transit or maybe that's the solution is you know much more frequent and regular transit that so it's not as maybe as crowded per se. But do you think that there still might be an opportunity even with the oncoming of uh, urban density? I wish I could give you a definitive yes. Like I, that, you know, I had thought that the you know proverbial genie um, was let out of the bottle with a movement more towards uh, urban density, transit-oriented development, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, but then I started studying transit-oriented development, and then I started studying that, you know, prior to the coronavirus, transit-oriented development actually had some something was going on. It was kind of counterintuitive. When you had a whole bunch of transit-oriented development, it actually drove out. It actually That actually contributed to transit ridership dropping because the real estate value around that transit got so expensive, not just not in, in the particular housing that was on top of the transit, but even just in the entire area, that the – you know, traditional users of the transit of that station could no longer afford to live there. Mm. So this is like this counter, and I wrote an article on that too that was specifically saying, why are LA's transit numbers dropping? And then I pointed to it, and it, ta- it had to deal with the affordability uh, crisis. Mm. So it's like, you know, I started to kind of change my tune a little bit about transit-oriented development. I just realized, no, 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 the movement needs to be towards more affordable housing, whether or not to be next to transit or not. Mm-hmm. It's just it's very important to have affordable housing. With the coronavirus, I do hope that this eventually blows over. I think that, you know, this that this we may be doing waves of these quarantines. I don't think this is just one quarantine for the next couple of weeks and then life goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that was what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I see waves of this happening over the next 18 months. And once you're, once we, uh, once we live under this for 18 months, this could have some long-term psychological impacts on, on us. And it may, it, change the way we feel towards certain laws, towards certain development. I just really don't know right now. I just don't know. Do you think this will impact people wanting to invest in public transit after this? Like, I'm also wondering of uh, an economic repercussion of further dividing the have and the have nots. Well, interestingly enough, up in Contra Costa County, um, the, I, I had spoken one week after a new sales tax measure for an explosion of uh, more transit and, and, and more, you know, non-automobile transportation had just gotten voted down. And one of the reasons why that got voted down, I think, uh, is because of the SALT uh, cap, which is the state and local um, tax uh, cap of $10,000. Californians don't want can't be taxed anymore like it just that's why a lot of you hear a lot of californians are moving out of california it's because it's not affordable and the taxes are just going crazy so there's already a movement against more taxes and the primary way to fund public transit in california is via the sales tax uh which is you know people in within a county agree to you know increase their sales taxes and that usually goes towards public transit so there's already a movement against more taxes our economy is going to be in shatters and tatters for lord only knows how long so when you go to the borders and say hey raise taxes I think you're going to be hearing a lot of hell no's for a while. So I do think that's going to affect the future of building out transit lines. Now, 
here in LA County, we, we've already instituted uh, some long-term sales taxes to build out transit. So we may, you know, we're probably good for all the lines that we have uh, to be built over the next 20 to 30 years. But for new transit in the state of California, I don't think this bodes very well for it. So we're not getting the high-speed rail from L.A. to the Bay? I'm actually not allowed to talk about the high-speed rail. Uh, (laughs) I've actually been admonished to, because I've talked about it in the past, and just because of some other work that we do for, you know, certain entities, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Um, And, you know, I have my own thoughts on that that you and I can talk about over a glass of whiskey, Constantine. Um, will do. Will do. Well, you. I think both of your your works kind of overlap. So, Constantine, how is this impacting affordable housing? This is the type of situation that really highlights the problem in housing, in that we have so many people. You know, you're talking about people have to be quarantined in the home, but when you have like just here in the city, what is it like forty thousand plus homeless people, and so many more tens and hundreds of thousands that are. Um, housing unstable and housing insecure, it really brings to light how we really need to get serious about fixing this problem. We need to put the politics aside and like everyone come to the table and, and try to come up with a solution where everybody wins. And I think that's possible. I think but people have to get serious on all sides. I think it can't just be about what we classify as strictly affordable right. because there's a whole missing middle. There's you know nurses, mechanics, teachers, at this point, doctors and lawyers are experiencing housing insecurity. And so we have to be able to bring market rate housing down. And the only way you do that is by having enough for reducing the scarcity by building more. And so, you know, there's ways to do it where you're able to protect communities that are sensitive uh, from gentrification by, you know, extending the timeline, giving them resources to really come with a thoughtful plan to also empower those uh, typically uh, disadvantaged or underrepresented communities to make sure that they aren't going to get pushed out. And this, I think this can be a time where everyone wins. This is a time for those communities that have, you know, experienced the, um, the racial segregation of our housing laws, historic housing laws over mm-hmm. the last, you know, century. It's an opportunity for us to turn the tide on that and really make some gains. So it's about everybody coming to the table and making sure that they're getting a seat and, and being able to voice their opinions and coming with policy that's responsible uh, but also engages the private sector. There's never going to be enough money to be able to build all the affordable housing that we need without engaging the private sector, incentivizing them to build some too. Also giving opportunities for some of these communities that are that are experiencing this gentrification, that are experiencing displacement, uh, to also be protected and be at the table as well. And so all those things can be accomplished. Um, there's some you know great opportunities to really do something positive here. And so you know, we're still like in that fight and making sure that we are continuing to push because the issue is is so important. And even this time, it's even exacerbated. But at the same time, we have to be human beings and understand that there's like, you know, the house is on fire. So let's let's put the fire out first. Right. But also think about how we can. I mean, right now it's about how do we keep people in their homes? You know, there's these expensive rents. People are getting laid off. You know, you have housing insecurity, and now we have this with this financial uh, potential collapse. Well, not collapse, but it's going to be a tough road back for the country and for jobs and for just regular folks. We have to also be thinking about, you know, what are some of the emergency measures we can can to, to make sure we're keeping people in homes. You know, when you hear the governor talking about in different cities, um, you know, we have it here in L.A. talking about freezing evictions, freezing 
mortgages, trying to get checks out to people that are experiencing job displacement. So those folks are the most vulnerable. Let's keep, make, we got to keep them in home and in, in, ho- in houses. Yeah. Otherwise, it could get, you know, this whole epidemic can get worse. The cover of the LA Times today, I noticed, was about homelessness and the virus. Well, Rudy, what do you think is, I mean, you think that this is going to be just one round of quarantining? Quarantining, is that a verb? Can we I make do. it a verb? Yeah, yeah sometimes just kind of make one up. So much like what Constantine said is, you know, the secret to the happy marriage, you know, just agree with your wife. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> well, what are you, are you doing anything? What is something that you're doing different? Is there anything fun or something that you're learning from this quarantine time? Are there any binges going on or are you just doing all your work at home? Um, <laughs> what am I learning? There are so many things that I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning that I need to have, uh, uh, I've, I've known patience has always been one of my problems. Um, mm-hmm. that's why I have, uh, you know, tried to work on my patience. Um, I started reading a lot of stoic philosophy as I told you, Gwen. Oh yeah. I'm trying happy to, about that. you know, uh, <laughs> use that more in my life uh, and really giving up of control I'm working a lot like so I do as you know uh, Gwen I mean not all your listeners know but I do government finance and it's, but it's not just government finance it's government and non-profit finance and a lot of people are like hey you know why are these big banks getting these bailouts you know it, it's terrible there should be no money to the banks and what I've been doing spending my, a lot of my time on text messages and talking to people is Banks are incredibly important right now because they're giving out – they're getting the money from the federal government. They're giving out a lot of loans. I am working on a lot of loans to hospital systems, to clinics, to state and local governments because right now those – all of those need to continue to operate. So mm-hmm. one thing that, I mean, I know this, but I, what I want other people to learn is please don't be anti-bank right now. The banks, we are working nonstop to keep the lights on, to keep the sewer systems running, to keep the hospitals running, to give access to capital, the capital that is needed to buy the equipment to keep our healthcare workers like my wife safe. I mean, we're, it's a huge part of it. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I just I'm trying to impart on people to, to think about. Um, but personally, is there anything different that I'm, I mean, yeah, I mean, my, my life is kind of upside down, um, but just like everybody else's, I'm just trying to take it day by day. And um, I've finally built my home gym. It's very hard to find weights these days, like weights. Of, for, I think everybody, not only did everybody do a rush on bidets, everybody did a rush on buying some like workout weights. Um, you know, so- I think this is something that's going to happen. I've noticed a lot of people doing workouts online and those apps I think are going to get bigger or people doing video type works at workouts. Hey Amen. I would, my, you know, we, we bought a Peloton um, a week ago. It's not going to be delivered for like two weeks, but <laughs> we were like, yeah, we'll take the zero, zero, you know, zero interest for five year plan and get a Peloton. Hopefully it gets delivered. But I think Peloton's going to be huge. You know, I feel really, I mean, I have some friends that just started cycling studios like over like the last year and hopefully they'll just convert those to online content or maybe they'll just become a part of the Peloton system. I, I am, I know a lot of people in the home, in, you know, that own home gyms and, and, you know, own that, those kind of businesses. I am worried about them. So like, 
you know, uh, hopefully people don't cancel those memberships. But I agree with you, Gwen. Working out at home is going is going to explode. Yeah, I'm just kind of interested in what the cultural shift will be because there will be one. You know, there's always there's always something that comes out of when we have to kind of renavigate our lives. And um, I don't know, maybe also, maybe it could just be the appreciation for the contact for being around people. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm wondering, cause there will be a line where we're going to say before this, we used to yeah. be such and such a way. And I'm just wondering what that is. Yeah. Before it's going to be, BCV and ACV before coronavirus and after coronavirus. <laughs> I mean, after coronavirus, everyone's going to have a bidet and a Peloton in their house. So, you know, that's 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 definitely going to be a cultural <laughs> shift. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of other things as well. Uh huh. Man, I just wish I kept my uh, my flat flat bench. Oh, had it for years, carried it around the house to house. Man, <laughs> now I'm regretting it. Yeah, I just set up. I just. I just set mine up yesterday. It was, it was, uh, but you know, I have this big Olympic weight bar, but I, but I can't find weights because they're like totally sold out throughout the country. So it's kind of silly, but eventually I'll fill it up. Yeah. Well, Rudy, we'll take care. You and Kate, you and family take care. You guys take care too. This was a really good conversation. I wish we could do it in person, but I'm (laughs) glad we did it. And let's, let's, let's keep up with it. Um, I I will. this. This was good. We'll do. I I got inspired. You know, Erin from our episode on a hot pizza ass. She's been doing quarantine TV, and so I I was kind of inspired by that. And I thought, hey, let's just do an impromptu one talking about uh, the coronavirus. Why not? I love it. I love it. You know who you should reach out to? Who? You need to reach out to Dahlia. We need to get her on the phone to talk about it. You got to do it, Gwen. Okay, that sounds good. (laughs) All right, we'll take care. All right, Rudy. Take care, my man. Bye. Well, there you have it. Constantine, did you enjoy that conversation? That was a great conversation. That was a great conversation. Okay, so anyway, you have any... (laughs) Transit in the time of coronavirus. Transit, public housing. No, wait, it's not public housing. Transit, affordable housing. Oh, my God. Okay, transit, affordable housing. Lots to think about. And the best part, Zadie was knocked out for the whole time. Mm -hmm. There we go. So if you have any questions, you can email me at goodisinthedetailspod at gmail.com. And please leave a rating or review if you're enjoying the content. Five stars. Five stars. Okay. And so remember, wash your hands. Stay inside. Don't cough on people. Stay your ass at home. (laughs) Bye.